We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to Lakers Nation Live. I am Trevor Lane. Um, I don't really know exactly what to say here. The Lakers just did a very, very bad thing, uh, an unforgivable thing. They embarrassed themselves, dropping a game to the Brooklyn Nets. A Brooklyn Nets team that has won just once in the last nine games. A Brooklyn Nets team that has lost twice recently to Portland. A team who organizationally is not trying to win basketball games right now. The Nets have lost twice in the last week and a half to that Portland team. The Nets have lost in the last 10 games. The Nets have lost to the Washington Wizards. The Nets have lost uh, to the Houston Rockets. Now, they also have a win over the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's something that Thunder fans are certainly frustrated with. But the Lakers, in the position that they're in, given where they're at in the standings, given how badly they needed to turn things around, dropping this game, Dropping this game out of all games, inexcusable, inexcusable, and in particular on the defensive end of the floor and on the offense in the second half where they simply stopped calling plays, stopped running sets, stopped doing what was working. And I'll tell you what, you could kind of feel it, couldn't you? This Lakers team, they've got a problem. Well, they've got a lot of problems, but they've got a problem. When they start a game hot, it's fun. It's exciting. We want to enjoy it. But when they start a game hot, what happens is you can see it mentally. They switch off defensively. The feeling is, oh, well, if we get scored on on the other end, we're going to get it back because we're hitting all of our shots. They shot like 70% from three in the first quarter. But you know what happens when these Lakers try to get themselves into a scoring contest, try to get themselves into a back and forth, up and down, score the ball game their offense tends to break first before their opponents. Even the lowly Nets offense is going to keep going longer than this Lakers offense is. It is a trap that they put themselves in, and they did it again in this game. They started out hot. They were hitting shots. It was fun. D'Lo was hitting shots. Uh, Anthony Davis was dominating. The game looked fantastic. And then the Nets got going. Cam Thomas got going, and the Nets never stopped. The Lakers offense, of course, did stop. Stop scoring. How many blown layups do they have in this game? I bet you it's in the double digits. 
the number of times the Lakers got right to the rim, LeBron missing layups, everybody missing layups, even Anthony Davis missing an and one late in this one, and you wind up giving 130 points to a Brooklyn Nets team that is reeling, a Brooklyn Nets team that's been playing just as bad as the Lakers have been during their slide. All of that is certainly frustrating. Giving 33 points to Cam Thomas. LeBron James shooting 9 for 22. Austin Reeves shooting 4 for 12. Rui Hachimura 0 for 6. Christian Wood 1 for 6. The Lakers unable to buy a basket when they need it. All of that is frustrating. Lakers Nation, I see you guys coming in. All your comments. I'll tell you what. Let me say this. What really bothers me, what really bothers me from this game, it's all of that. It's the Lakers falling into that offensive trap. It's the Lakers' defense no-showing in this game. It's all the open shots you gave up. It's the Nets shooting 40% from three for the game and 53% for the field, and those numbers dropped quite a bit in garbage time. It's the situation the Lakers are in in the standings where they're sitting in the 10 seed right now and they've got to start making a push because guess what? If you thought this game was hard, look at the schedule in March. I've talked about that. Look at the schedule in April. This game is one you have to win because when you're getting hammered in March and in April with a schedule that has no let up, you need games like this to stack wins. Instead, you turn it into a loss. All of that is bothersome. But I'll tell you what really bothers me from this. It's what this did to Lakers Nation, to Lakers fans. Because here's the thing. We've watched this team now the last two games. They got two good wins. They came out. They executed. Were they a little bit fortunate with some missed threes from their opponents? Sure. But the Lakers came out. They competed. They played hard. They looked like they were starting to remember who they were. Right? They were starting to remember who they were after being in this terrible slump for all of December or much of December, ever since the in-season tournament. They'd have been in this terrible slump. They didn't look like themselves. They couldn't win games, and it felt like something had changed. Something had changed, and it clicked, and finally, they were waking up. And right then, that's when the Lakers come out and do this and drop a game to the Brooklyn Nets. And so what that means, for all of you, for all of us, for the fan base, that means the right win, you start thinking, okay, all right, this team, they're figuring it out. Bam. They knock you right back down again with a performance like that. That's that's the worst part of what the Lakers did tonight. That's the worst part of what they did tonight. It's what this does to Lakers fans who were just starting to feel like, okay, this team has figured something out. Nope. Nope. They made sure that you weren't going to feel that security, that certainty, that belief in this team with what is a bad, no question, a bad, bad loss. I have to say, this is probably the worst loss of the season. And I know people will point to that Spurs game. They didn't play Anthony Davis in the Spurs game, and that was their choice. But still, you had your guys in this game. You were missing Cam Reddish and Gabe Vincent. You had your guys in this game. Anthony Davis was dominant. And the Lakers 
through their own decision-making, through their own refusal to call plays in the second half and run really anything, shot themselves in the foot. Said, oh, we can get above 500? No, thank you. No, thank you. All of that, all of that is reason why, Lakers Nation, you should be frustrated right now with this team. And I know you are. I can see it in your in your questions and your comments. Cliff said, Master Lock Ham's halftime speech. I don't know what the halftime speech was, but whatever it was, it must not have been very good. I thought, you know, I thought it felt like things started to slip a little bit in the second quarter. And so I thought, okay, the Lakers are going to come out. They're going to reclaim control in the third. Instead, they let go of the rope. They came out and the same thing. Started the, even started the fourth with a turnover. Third quarter, just complete slide. Just fell flat on their faces. Billy said, lack of energy and effort has been the Lakers' identity for several years. Directly reflects on the leadership of the team embarrassing complacency. I mean, I don't know if that's a, a leadership of the team thing or what that is, but they they definitely looked like they felt like their shots were just going to keep dropping all game and they didn't need to get stops. They didn't need to hustle and defend. And you know what? Teams have the goal of getting three-point attempts against the Lakers. We know that. Teams go into games game planning. Hey, we can get open threes against this team. Let's shoot a lot of them. The Nets shot 47 threes in this game. 47. That's a ton of threes. They're looking for those shots. Lakers have to be aware. The teams are looking for that, and they know it. Probably time to switch up that defensive scheme that keeps giving up so many open looks. And part of this is when we talk about the Lakers on the trade market and they're looking for speed and athleticism in the backcourt, that's part of it. So you want guys who can close out a little bit quicker than D'Lo and Austin Reeves can. But nonetheless, uh, the word Billy used here, embarrassing, very appropriate. This was an embarrassing night for the Lakers. Wicked Bronco thought one of the best qualities of Ham was to get this team to get motivated for every game, no matter the opponent. Fire Ham ASAP. Dude never goes to bat for his players and refuses to use his challenges. Trade, please. So there were a few moments where I think he could have challenged and, and Ham didn't, but I think it's a good point here, right? Like that's what, that was the whole thing about Darvin Ham coming into the, into this gig was this is the guy that you want to run through a brick wall for, right? Isn't that supposed to be Darvin Ham? The guy that you want to run through a brick wall for? This team doesn't play like it right now. Not consistently. Some games you see it. And by the way, give Anthony Davis credit in this game. He was frustrated. You could see how much this bothered him. Late in the game, the game's over, and AD's diving on the floor after the ball. Anthony Davis scrapped all the way through. You could tell how much this bothered him. But the whole team needs to be coming out and playing with more energy than this, than to let the Nets get going. And here's the thing. I say this all the time. You can't give a bad team hope. You can't do it. It's the worst thing you can possibly do. It's the most dangerous thing you can do is give a bad team hope because you know what's going to happen? The second you give a bad team hope that they might win, the Nets are 1-9 and nine in their last 10. You give them hope that, uh-oh, you might win this game. They're throwing everything at you. They're going to play that game like their lives depend on because they don't get that opportunity very often. They're going to throw everything at you. And that's exactly what the Lakers did. Jay Jordan. 
Ham. Um, I mean, Darvin Ham, I don't know. I don't even know what that comment, but I I need to figure out what was going on with the play calling in the second half, why we didn't see enough actually organized offense in the second half of this game. Uh, Kay, how did AD only get 13 shots? 69% LeBron, 22 shots. Well, AD only got 13 shots because if you saw early in the game, the Nets were doubling AD quite a bit. They were sending the double. And Anthony Davis, to his credit, was doing a great job passing out of it. In fact, the Lakers got a lot of open looks. He was punishing the Nets for their choices. They chose to double him. AD was passing out and getting great looks for the Lakers as a result. And so that's part of why his shots were down. His assists are also up. He had six assists. Uh, four of them, I believe, were in the first quarter, though. But that's part of it. Was the Nets, the Nets, they were sending the double. AD was making the read and kicking the ball out. The Lakers shot stopped dropping, though. Uh, Mission 86, what the bleep just happened, right? This, this is a team that should be fighting for their lives, that should be scrapping and clawing and understanding where they currently sit in the standings and understanding what lies ahead in their schedule. The important thing to get to where you want to go in the NBA playoffs, you have to win the games you're supposed to win. This was a game that you're supposed to win. This is the kind of game on your schedule where you say, you know what? The schedule makers, they've been horrific towards the Lakers this season, but thank you for this one. That's what kind of game this was. This is the kind of game that you show up, you put in the work, you pick up your W, and you move on. Unfortunately, if you don't show up, NBA teams will beat you. And that's what we saw tonight. Andrew said, I just don't understand. How and why did we not run any plays that third quarter? No plays, no effort, no urgency. Everyone is to blame for this one. Most embarrassing loss of the season. Ham, players, everyone. Oh, I think you're, Andrew, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely right about that. Um, This is... On everybody. There's plenty of blame to go around to everyone. Uh, Darvin Ham after the game said, it's over for the excuses, man. We've got to play basketball. He said, talk about the tale of two different halves. The first half is what we're working towards. And then the inconsistency showed up and reared its head in the second half. We have to decide which team we're going to be. It's not wrong. Darvin, the wide, if you're the coach, why are you not running an offense in the second half? Why is that happening? That's not just on the players. There's plenty of blame to go around for everybody. Billy said, this team is not winning anything. There's no magical move out there that will change that. Is there a point where you consider blowing it all up? I don't think you're blowing this up right now. Um, I don't think you you bring this up. I don't think you blow this all up right now. Like, what what's the point? Anthony Davis, like, if you're saying blow it up like you trade AD, trade LeBron, I don't think you're doing that. Um, both those guys would have to ask for trades in order for them to be traded. But if you mean blow it up by make more significant moves, look, I mean, we said for a couple of games, the Lakers are looking pretty good. We've been talking about, do they still need to make a big move? Or is there something here that they just needed to consistency again with is that the situation with this team is that where this is really at um 
now though, just when we were thinking maybe a smaller move was in order, now you got to wonder, should it be a bigger move? Should it be more of a swing for the fences type of move if they're going to go out and do stuff like this? Aquaman said AD and four cones in the starting lineup. I mean, that is the issue with the starting line. And there's no question the Lakers are making a choice with that starting five. With Torian Prince, uh, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, you're going to struggle defensively. Their offense has looked better with that group out there. Plenty of floor spacing, and that's actually helped. But defensively, you know you're going to give up some stuff. That really burned them this game. He said, I understand LeBron's 39, but he's on a max contract. Austin Reeves is not untouchable. He's slightly above average at best. There's like five guys in the league that are untouchable. So the Lakers not wanting to move Austin Reeves, that's not to say if a team calls up and says, hey, we have an all-star, we're not going to, and the Lakers are going to say no. That's not what we're talking about here. But if a team called up and said, hey, we're going to give you our rotation player for Austin Reeves, the Lakers are going to say no. That's where they're at. So no, he's not untouchable. But he's not a guy they're looking to move. He's not a guy they're making calls on saying, hey, take him. No, they're not doing that. Joseph said, D'Lo is the worst player I've ever seen, and don't you dare bring up the stats, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, what did stats ever tell you, right? Come on. Um, he doesn't jog, let alone sprint. No defense, no box outs, no physicality. If I never see him in a Laker jersey again, that'll be too soon. It's funny, you know, D'Angelo Russell scored 20 points. I know. Wait, can I give stats without giving numbers, without bringing up stats? He, 20 and 7. He was great the last couple of games. He got it going on the offensive end. The offense disappeared in the second half. If you want to get it on D'Lo for hustle, I think that's fair. I think defensively he has some, certainly some concerns. There's good and bad with D'Angelo Russell. And I think the thing about D'Lo is it's that if you love him or you hate him, if you think D'Lo is a great player, if you think D'Lo is an awful player, you have a lot of evidence to support you, regardless of what you think. If you think he's great, there's games where he's great. He was great last game. If you think he is awful and terrible, there's plenty of games where that happens too. He had some sloppy turnovers in this one. Yes, we can talk about the, the hustle. That's certainly a, an issue too. So D'Lo is one of the most polarizing players, I think, in the league, in part because of that, because you've got tons of ammunition, regardless of what it is that you think about him. Um, no defense, no box outs, no physicality. Yeah, I mean, physicality is not going to be his thing. But I think you've got some fair points in terms of the defense. That's definitely a concern with him. The boxing out, that's a concern with a lot of Lakers. But it's also not just D'Lo. This is another one of those games where if you just point to D'Angelo Russell and say this is on him, it's on. it's way more than that, right? But is some of it on him? Sure. And some people have brought up that the Lakers, their energy, in some ways, while a lot of it is fueled by LeBron, that it also is brought in by D'Lo. When D'Lo is hot, when he's got it going, that gets the rest of the team up. And when he's not got it going, like we saw in the second half, the rest of the team goes down. I think maybe there's something to that. Wicked Bronco says, The refs were trash. Master lock Cam Thomas. Dude goes off anytime we play him and we don't adjust. How soon till we trade, please? Go get Dorian Finney-Smith and Lonnie. Did the Lakers go trade for guys who, who played against them tonight? Um, yeah, I mean, 
Cam Thomas, he's he's a great scorer. He's talented. He has these games where he can just blow up. And it's always unfortunate if it happens against your team. Uh, but, I, I mean, my God, look at this. This is the month of January. Cam Thomas, zero points, four points, 19 points, nine points, 26 points, 23 points, eight points, 33 points against the Lakers. I mean, he's got a 41-point game on the season. This is his second highest. No, he's got a 45-point game as well. So this is his tied for the third, no, fourth highest game. Okay, so he's got a few games, 36 points, another one. He's very streaky. He can get going. And if he does get going, it's terrible that you happen to get him on one of those nights. I thought the Lakers defensively, there were some moments where the Lakers did a terrible job defending him. There were other moments where the Lakers did a great job defending him and he just hit some tough shots. You just you have to hope that he's not on a heater. Unfortunately, he was on a heater in this one. Some of that the Lakers contributed to on some possessions. There were other possessions where I thought the Lakers played great defense and he just hit hit really tough shots. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Uh, Yardy said, Darvin Ham does not know how to pull the guys together and make them want to give more effort. Calling timeouts late, standing around while the other coaches are cheering and trying to rally the team together. You know, I, I thought it was noticeable in this one where... You see what happened every time the Lakers made even a little run? Jacques Vaughn would instantly call time. Like, the Lakers made a four-point run. Jacques Vaughn, and this was, I believe, in the second half. Jacques Vaughn calls a timeout. The Nets come back, score, get an open three. They come down, they get a stop. They get a score on the next on the next possession on, I think it was a layup. So, the Lakers go on a 4-0 run, instant timeout, instant 5-0 run back the other way for the Nets. That's what people get frustrated with, with Darvin Ham and why calling timeouts to stop momentum early rather than waiting for it to kind of snowball and get away from you is so important. More often than not, I would rather call them early. Darvin Ham does not employ that strategy. It's something I haven't agreed with him with uh, ever since he started with the Lakers, but that's his philosophy is to wait a little bit longer than some other coaches do. And I think we see often the benefits of calling those timeouts early and not let momentum get going with the opposing team. It's tough. Uh, we don't learn in wins. We played the same defensive scheme and don't improve. 
Ham's a cancer on this team and doesn't micromanage us, doesn't fix our defensive sets. Trade will barely help us. We need a strong coach. Ham is a cancer again, he says. So I don't know. I think that's going a bit far to call a guy a cancer. But yeah, the defensive schemes are concerning. Those worry me for sure. Because here's the thing, like as much as people get on, as much as people get on like Austin Reeves for helping too far into the paint, and he does do that sometimes, it's a fair criticism. A lot of guys do that though. We've seen LeBron do it. We've seen a bunch of guys do it. And that tells you it's a scheme thing. That's not a player, that's a scheme thing. That's a Lakers scheme thing where they're, they are doing that on purpose. That's part of their scheme is, is to help into the paint, give up the three if you have to. And on nights like this, when a team shoots well from three, it will absolutely crush you. It'll absolutely crush you. And so that's where when you say trades won't help, you're kind of right. You're kind of right because the scheme isn't going to change by trades. Now, can it help in that if you get a bunch of guys that are super long, lanky defenders, super quick feet, they can do a better job getting out to three-point shooters. Yes, right? That can certainly help. So you can get better defensive players, and that will ultimately help you out. It can make this scheme look better. But in the meantime, here's my question. Obviously, this scheme is not working. Why are you running this scheme then? Why, why continue doing this? Knowing that if a team is hitting from three, and a lot of teams can in today's NBA, you're going to get crushed. Why continue running this? It doesn't make sense. I mean, this is essentially what the Bucs used to run, and they used to give up a bunch of open threes. Now, they also had length, though, in order to contest on some of those. But we're in a day and age in the NBA where most guys can hit the three if you leave them open at a pretty high level. And I think that's really hurting the Lakers. So if you look at this and you say a trade is going to fix everything, it's not. It's not because you're still going to do the same thing because this is the scheme. You need a fix in multiple ways. Do you need a trade? Yeah, you probably need multiple trades. You probably need to get some stuff done. But you also need to address this. You can't keep over helping into the paint and give teams open threes, especially because now... Guess what? The cat is out of the bag, and it has been for a while. Team's game plan coming into games. Guys, we're going to shoot a ton of threes tonight. Because they know they can get those shots whenever they want against this Lakers team. Because of the scheme, the Lakers are running. In part because of the players, too. Because of the players who are defending. That's part of it, for sure. But part of it is also the scheme. That's got to get fixed. Drew. Said, will a real Lakers please stand up? Shaking my head. Absolutely. The only thing the Lakers have done consistently is be inconsistent. That's the only thing they've done consistently is be inconsistent this season. It's frustrating. CPC said, this feels more like the Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore team. Tonight certainly did. Tonight sure did. The body language was not good. And you know what? I give credit for to Anthony Davis. I feel like this, Anthony Davis, I saw, and this is what can sometimes get 
fans, right? Watching games. When the players don't reflect your emotional attachment, don't reflect your emotions in that moment, right? Um, so if your team is is winning and they're scoring a ton of points and they just look like, meh, whatever, they're not fired up, that creates a little bit of frustration. But more often it's when the team is losing and you see guys smiling, you see guys laughing, and you're upset, you're frustrated with what's going on, and you see the guys on the team that don't look that upset, that creates a disconnect. Anthony Davis tonight, he looked... He Anthony Davis looked like I felt watching this game. He looked so frustrated and so upset with himself and so upset with the team, and I hope that's uh, something that gets reflected across the team because they should be very upset after this one. They should be very they should be extremely disappointed and they they're not in a position where they can let games like this drop away. They just can't. Mixmaster, are we sure we want this team trying to give up assets for fringe all-stars or role players? This team is dead. I would consider selling instead of buying. What are you selling and what are you getting if you do that? Understand that if you are considering selling, then you're saying goodbye LeBron, goodbye Anthony Davis, goodbye all of, all of this. That's that's what you're doing. Um so I don't think they're going to be a seller. I mentioned this on X though earlier. I think if you're the Lakers, right? You there's a couple things you need to do. And I think this is important here everybody. So the Lakers, they have to understand and they know this that LeBron at some point he's going to be gone. Maybe it's this summer, maybe it's not. At some point he's going to be gone. And from there, ideally, you'd like to build a winning team around Anthony Davis. But maybe that's not possible. Maybe AD says after LeBron, you know what? I don't want to, like, whatever this next iteration is, I don't want to be part of it. Let's let's find a trade. Maybe that's what you go to. You need flexibility. So how do you make moves to help LeBron potentially win right now, which is what you need to do, without completely sabotaging your future? Because at some point, you're going to need to pivot and you're going to need to have assets. That was part of the reason why I thought it was so critical that they re-signed Anthony Davis because should they get that point a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, whatever it is, when they have to restart things, Anthony Davis will be under contract and you can trade him and recoup some assets. I think the same principle holds true to what the Lakers need to do right now. And that's that if you're going to make a trade, particularly if it's a big trade, if it's a trade that's going to require you to sacrifice future assets, I'm talking about that 2029 first round pick, what you need is to spend that on guys that most likely, look, we don't know the future, but most likely will retain value and you can flip down the road if you do need to move into a rebuild. So DeJounte Murray is an example of this. He's not the only guy. But he's an example of this because he's got four more years under contract. It's a pretty team-friendly deal. And he's a talented player who's just 27 years old. So in three years, if the Lakers are at a point where they need to tear it down, there's a pretty good chance that whatever they give up to get DeJounte Murray now, in a few years, you can probably trade him. Again, we don't know the future. Who knows what happens with injuries, quality of play, all that kind of stuff. But most likely, on this contract, you could trade him again a few years from now and recoup at least some of your assets, maybe more assets if he's become an even better player. We'll see. That's what I think the Lakers need to be looking for in order to satisfy both winning now 
and making sure that they aren't just barren for the future in terms of assets. They need to invest in players that they can have the opportunity to pivot away from, most likely in the future, if that's what the situation calls for. So that, and that's a very difficult needle to thread, but that's the way I think the Lakers need to approach this trade deadline. If you're going to give away anything that is a serious future asset, because you've got to start thinking about what this team's going to look like post-LeBron, you need to make sure that the piece you're getting back is something that you will most likely be able to flip if the time comes where you need to enter a rebuild. Uh, Kaleidoscope said, wearing our away jerseys at home is a curse. Winless on the season whenever we wear them. Is that is that accurate? Are they winless whenever they're wearing their away jerseys? I don't. I'm a traditionalist in that sense. I've talked about it a bunch. I don't like the whole wearing the the purple jerseys at home. Like that's your road jersey. The gold jerseys at home jersey. You wear your Sunday nights on Sunday, uh, Sunday whites on Sunday, and there you go. And that's it, right? You want to throw in a, a fun alternate jersey or whatever once each season, fine. I'm good with that. But I don't understand why we need to go away from the whole home and away jersey and, and all that sort of stuff. Why we mix it up now. I don't know if that's really why the Lakers won or, or lost this game. Um, or they or if they win, it's because they're wearing the right jersey or whatever. But maybe that's me being old man yelling, yelling at clouds or whatever. But it's it didn't seem like that was a system that needed to be changed. And yet now we're getting we're getting the Nets wearing their home white jerseys in LA, the Lakers wearing their road purple. It's just weird. It's just weird. All right. Let's do a few more. Uh Joseph bringing the heat again said, uh, also Darvin, what were you doing in the first 7 minutes of the third? They're kicking our asses with physicality and hustle. No substitutions. Just let the Nets go on a massive run. I hope someone fills his pockets with mayo. I've never I've never thought of that. We've talked about um, getting Darvin Ham pants that don't have pockets. We've talked about that. But putting mayo, mayonnaise in his pockets? Wow. I haven't thought about that one before. That's a good one, though. I like that one. Joseph, that's a good idea. Uh, Bryant gifted a Lakers Nation membership. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, boy, do we need each other now. That's that's for sure. More than ever. Uh, Reeves needs to go on a two-week vacation. He's burnt out. Well, fortunately, that is coming up. Maybe not soon enough, but um, the All-Star break is going to be coming up in about a month. So that's coming. That's coming. AJ. Said everything must go. AD finally healthy, playing MVP caliber basketball. The rest of the team outside of LeBron, boo, trade them all. I want winners. I want people who want to win. This was not a good LeBron game. I mean, and LeBron was frustrated. He's missing shots right at the rim, missing layups, weird misses for LeBron James, not misses you normally see from him. This was not a good LeBron James game. Again, nine for 22 shooting. I mean, just blowing layups right at the bucket, four turnovers, 24 points in this one, 11 boards. Uh, five assists, but yeah, even LeBron was not good in, in this one. Up to his standards. Up to his standards, for sure. I could be surfing, says I was at the game. It was all energy, so lame. So you could feel the energy in, in the building was not right. huh? I didn't hear if uh, if the Lakers were getting booed in this one late, but they should have been. They They deserved it if they weren't. 
definitely deserved it. Okay. Um, let's give a shout out to our sponsor. And that is, is sleeper. Let's put a quick contest together here and see what we can build for sleeper. And I'm going to go football on this one because basketball did us wrong today. I'm going to go football here. Uh, we got some big games coming up tomorrow. CJ Stroud's one of my favorite favorites. More or less than 1.5 passing touchdowns for CJ Stroud. He's got a really tough matchup. matchup. I really like him, though. I'm going to stay optimistic. And I'm going to say more than 1.5 passing touchdowns for CJ Stroud. I believe in the kid. I believe he's got a bit of magic to him. Uh, meanwhile, let's go Zay Flowers. 50.5 receiving yards. I know he's been dealing with an injury. That's for the Baltimore Ravens. He's also one of my favorites. Um, really fun player. He can on, honestly, he can get that on one play. He can get that on one passing play. And I'm going to say that he does get it done in this one. I'm going to say he gets more than 50 and a half uh, receiving yards. Let's see who else. I'd like to get somebody from the Lions game in here. Sam Laporte, I certainly like. Let's go with our L.A. guy. Let's go Jared Goff. Going up against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, traditionally a team that you can uh, you can throw all over. Not a team that you can run very well against. So I think that's going to mean we're going to see Jameer Gibbs even in the short passes. You can even get Dave Montgomery working a little bit there as well. Um, and then, of course, they've got Amon Ross St. Brown is, is fantastic. Is Sam Laporta really a go here? He's a good target in the end zone. I'm going to say Jared Goff gets more than 1.5 passing touchdowns here because I think the Lions are really going to have to lean on the pass against this Tampa Bay defense. I don't think you can run as often against them. Uh, last one. Let's do one more. Sam Laporta, the injury I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about. I'm a little nervous about the injury for Sam Laporta. I don't know. It seemed like he came back off, awful fast. So I'm actually, and I'm a big uh, Sam Laporta. He's my guy but I'm actually going to go less than 42 and a half receiving yards because of that injury. I don't know how much he's actually going to play in that one. And then let's go here. Um, let's go with Jameer Gibbs. Again, I think they are going to have to throw to him quite a bit. 23 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to say more there for Jameer Gibbs. Uh, ooh, rushing yards, 49 and a half. I think that might be kind of, kind of high. A rushing touchdown. Now nah, I'm going to stick with the receiving yards. All right. Let's take a look at this entry here. We make this a $20 entry. We can 18.5x this thing. Walk away with 370. So I've got CJ Stroud more, Zay Flowers more, Jared Goff more. Uh, on passing touchdowns, receiving yards for Zay Flowers. I've got Sam Laporta less than 42 and a half receiving yards, and Jameer Gibbs more than 23 and a half receiving yards. Again, guys, you can download the Sleeper app. Sleepers available in a ton of states, including California. So download the app. You guys can play right along with us. Make sure you use that promo code Lakers Nation and you can get a deposit match of up to $500. Super, super easy to do. So go check out Sleeper uh, today. All right, let's get back into it. Back into some of the pain of this Lakers loss here. Uh, Wicked Bronco said, Trev, is it possible to get Dorian Finney-Smith and Cam Thomas, um, is it possible? 
probably not. Like that's like you could put together a package for those guys. Cam Thomas isn't making a ton. What are you willing to give up to get him? I like Cam Thomas, but the other part of this is Cam Thomas. I have a feeling he wants a chance to prove himself as a starter somewhere. That was a rumor that we've been hearing recently that he's not super excited about his role with the Nets. And I don't know if the Lakers can offer him that, a starting job. I really think his best role is, is as a bench scorer, despite his scoring abilities here. So that's the challenge there with Cam Thomas. Like, does he want to go and be a sixth man type guy? Because I have a feeling he doesn't. So that's something to keep an eye on with Cam Thomas. But Dorian Finney-Smith, certainly somebody that's been um, on the Lakers' radar. Uh, Salvador said, done with this team. Tarde Reeves for some, <laughs> I'm assuming you're not meaning Reeves is late. Trade Reeves, you meant, for some perimeter defense. Trade Hayes and Vincent and Rui for another center and more perimeter defense. Ham is not him. Man, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to move all of those guys and get the things that you need. You're probably talking about attaching draft capital when you're looking at, like Gabe Vincent doesn't have trade value. He's been out for the entire season, essentially. Played five games. Um Jackson Hayes, Jackson Hayes, he doesn't have any trade value. Rui might have some. This was not a great Rui game either. Rui couldn't hit anything. Rui was 0 for 6 in 15 minutes of playing time and missed like the big shots, the big shots that the Lakers really needed him to hit. Rui just couldn't knock him down in this one. Again, it was a bad game for Rui tonight. Um, Hopefully he bounces back in the next one, but... Tonight was not a good night for Rui Hachimura. It certainly didn't help. Isn't going to help his trade value. Uh, Jay Castillo. We'll do a few more here. Jay Castillo. So the problem with the Lakers is that they are inconsistent in the games that matter. They will play great one game, but struggle every other game and not show up. You know, I thought that Dallas game, the OKC game, those were games that mattered. And the Lakers showed up for them. The Lakers were good. The Lakers won. They found ways to win. This was a game that really they should have won. And they just didn't. I can't say that this game matters more or less than the other games. But this was a game that the Lakers definitely should have won against a team they should have beat. And they found a way to lose. And a lot of it was their defense. A lot of it was they didn't control the energy of the game. They let the Nets get going. And then they didn't do anything to put a stop to it. And that's on the Lakers. And the Lakers offense continued to fuel the Nets own offense because the Lakers stopped running offense. And with all the Lakers misses, that puts the Nets into transition. And NBA teams are going to capitalize on that every single time. I mean, look what happens. Even if even if you make a layup in today's NBA, sometimes you're actually putting your team at a disadvantage by making a layup. You know what I'm talking about. You'll see a guy drives into the paint, makes a layup, and his momentum carries him off the floor. It's a five on four the other way because the other team grabs the ball and they're going typically results in an open three. So making a layup can sometimes turn into a three point to two point swing in the favor of your opponent because your momentum carried you off the floor and you gave up a five on four the other way. So teams, if you miss, if you even if you score sometimes, they are so conditioned offensively to get the ball down floor and take advantage of any mistakes that you make. So if you have an offense that isn't producing because you're not running plays, teams are going to punish you for that. They're going to do that by rebounding the basketball, getting down in transition, exploiting mismatches, and attacking you. 
Those are golden opportunities. Teams cherish those opportunities when they get stops to go and attack in transition. And that's what the Nets did really well today. And the Lakers played right into that. Played right into it by not running an offense, by not or not running enough of an offense. Bad looks, missing shots, and that gets the Nets off and running. Trey said, trade everyone. Screw a deadline that was absolutely unacceptable. If I'm Palenka, I'm accepting whatever these teams are asking for. Get the this trash off my team. Playoffs, LOL. Uh, hold the in-season tournament tight. I get the frustration. Um, the problem is, like, if Palenka just says, I'll take whatever, you know what's going to happen. You're going to get trades that are going to make you even more angry. And that's what could be particularly damaging from this. Yes, not only does the loss hurt you in the standings, but if teams perceive, perceive the Lakers as desperate, that's not going to help their negotiations. That's not going to help them in trade talks. That's not going to help them get a good deal. Certainly not. It's not going to help them get a good deal at all. So you needed the Lakers, if you're Rob Palenka, to start picking up some wins. So Rob can say, no, see, we're good. We don't have to take this trade from you. You need to give us a good deal, but we're just going to walk away and we'll keep our team as is. We're fine with that. Can't really say that when you're dropping games to the Nets. That's the problem. Ricky said, can we stop overvaluing Austin Reeves now? He can be traded. Oh, he, he definitely can be traded. Nobody said he's untouchable, just that the Lakers don't want to trade him in a deal. They'd prefer not to. If the right deal is there, sure, he's not untradeable or anything like that. But you're not going to give him up for stuff that isn't going to really move the needle for you. Vector Nova, I have to say there's not a single trade in the world that can fix the Lakers' lack of consistency and urgency. If they aren't willing to change that themselves, they might as well start the rebuild. I'm pissed. Uh, Vector, first of all, you have every right to be uh, after this game. But yes, some of this is you got to look in the mirror. Some of this is the Lakers have to right the ship themselves, and they're the only ones that can do it. Nobody's going to do it for them. They've got to do it for themselves. All right, everybody. You know what? I didn't even do a master lock in the night on this one because, frankly, it's everything. Master lock everything. Master lock the coaching. Master lock the play calling. Master lock the players. Every, there's blame here for everything. Everybody can accept blame in this situation. All of it. All of it can get master locked after this one. All right. Yes. As Cameron Visual says, master lock the whole organization. Yep. David, master lock the Lakers. It's that simple. It's that simple. All right, guys. Sean Davis is going to get into the X's and O's of what the Lakers did tonight or didn't do tonight on the post-post game show in just a moment. I do appreciate you guys joining. Tough night. We got through it together, though. Thank you guys for joining the show. If you're not a subs uh, subscriber yet, make sure you do subscribe. I'll keep you guys up to date on everything going on ahead of the trade deadline. But tough, tough night for the Lakers. If you're frustrated, you, know, you have every right to be. This was this was a bad night for the Lakers. I think probably the worst loss of the season. So let's see where this team goes from here and what they do on the trade front. Thank you again, everybody. Till next time. See ya. And stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.